0: Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. Hey listeners, be sure to check out our newest podcast called the Natural Products Resource Center. It will be coming out in September of 2019. And we can't wait for you to check it out. All things natural products uh, will be focused on medical cannabis at first, and then we'll be branching to other natural products topics. But be sure to follow us over there. We've got a new podcast coming out and we're excited to share it with you. All right. So today on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, we have a special guest, Josh Archambault, who is a senior fellow at the Foundation for Government Accountability, where he focuses on healthcare reforms that lower costs and expand choice for more Americans. Prior to joining FGA, or the Foundation for Government Accountability, Josh served as Director of the Center for Healthcare Solutions at the Pioneer Institute. He also served as a health policy fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Josh holds a Bachelor of Arts and Political Studies in Economics from Gordon College and a Master of Public Policy from Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government. He's testified before Congress and over a dozen state legislative committees, and his research and commentary has earned coverage from the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, New York Times, Fox News, NPR, National Review, and MSNBC, among other media outlets. He's also a contributor to the Apothecary, which is the influential Forbes.com blog, and uh, fun fact, his father was a pharmacist for 25 years. So Josh, it is such a pleasure to welcome you to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure.
0: Well, thank you for uh, spending some time with us. And uh, we'll be able to talk a little bit about policy uh, and some of the different things. Um, uh, tips that you have for understanding that and dealing with legislators. But first, let's start out with what is the Foundation for Government Accountability?
1: Sure. So we're a think tank, but we're not quite like your grandmother's think tank, if folks are familiar with them. We are active in 30 states. So we work in state legislators all like legislatures all over the country. We're active in D.C., and we do the traditional think tank things. We do white papers, we do original research, but we also do some other things, which is we are actually out there doing some education directly to legislators. So a lot of my job is actually talking to legislators, both in Washington and in state capitals around the country, and, and trying to help them tackle their health care reform problems. And for better or worse, um, government is playing a bigger and bigger role in making those policy decisions that impact the practitioners. And so I have the ability and luxury, if you will, to learn from not only practitioners, but also then deal with the people who are making policy that end up impacting them. So that's that's what we do. Um, we do a lot of education. And one comparison I often give people is, we're kind of like a university without students. Mm. We're doing research and a lot of public education, but we're not teaching necessarily. Um, But it's really a a unique uh, part of the world, and think tanks are actually playing quite a big role in the policy discussion because we're able to have those moments to stop and think and see a broader view Whereas practitioners usually are doing their day job. And so it's hard for them always to be able to be at the state capitals and in D.C. on a regular basis. And so think tank individuals really do fill an interesting niche in this whole conversation.
0: Yeah, that's helpful, and and that's so true. It's so hard for um, the day to day practitioners to really dive into these issues and, um, you know, make recommendations. And so it's helpful to have um, groups that are are dedicated to that. And you've got such great perspective with having um, healthcare professionals in the family. So thankful that you've you've been able to see the some of the inside view of a pharmacy. So, um, Josh, let's talk a little bit about how legislative policy actually gets made.
1: Well, um, it's, it's, it's simple and complex at the same time. And, you know, I think probably most of your listeners have probably seen that older cartoon, Schoolhouse Rocks, and trying to understand how a bill becomes law. and And there is some truth to that, the process that is normal for a bill to be filed, get a hearing. Get debate on the floor and voted on, but really, there's kind of a couple things for people to be aware of. The first one is, at least at the state level, the rules really, really dictate how bills become law. And let me just give you one kind of contrasting example. There's some states where every single bill that is filed every session gets a vote; it's guaranteed a vote on the floor. Uh, whereas in other states, uh, you may file a bill and it never even gets a hearing. Um, so. Those sorts of processes differ by state. One commonality, I would say, though, of kind of how uh, bills become law that the general public's not aware of is most of the decisions are getting made at the very last minute. Um, So even if there's this normal legislative process going through, it's usually a deadline that's pushing uh, a final decision for individuals. And so it is very key that if somebody wants to be involved in the legislative process, yes, they need to reach out early and have some early conversations, but really those key moments are typically happening in the last week, if you will, in session or the last, whatever the deadline is for the the issue, maybe a bill needs to be reauthorized. Um, That might not be the end of the session, might be happening halfway through the session, but those are the sorts of deadlines that are pushing the legislative process. So making sure that you have relationships, you understand where the pressure points are and that you're showing up and checking back in at those key moments really do matter. And I don't think people fully appreciate that that's that's where those the rubber hits the road in the legislative process.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's really helpful. And And I guess even if you do get your message out early, it's probably helpful to touch back base closer to that deadline so that um, maybe they don't forget about you.
1: (laughs) It's absolutely, I mean, the politics has this reputation of being very relational for a reason. And so even if you're not a lobbyist, even if you're not seeing yourself as somebody who's deeply involved in policy, having relationships really matters because people are looking for trusted sources of information and if they have mm-hmm. a relationship, they know you, then they're going to be more likely to trust your position when there is conflict because inevitably there are winners and losers in some of these debates and not not everything's black and white, sometimes it's complex and there's some gray and so really those people are going to be looking for who those trusted people are but Hillary, there's a couple other things for people to be aware of, just depending on how familiar they are with how legislatures work. But the House of Representatives, and this is—I'm going to be general, but it it's, it largely applies in both the state and the federal level—when it comes to the House of Representatives, The leadership matters more than anything else uh, because they're the ones who are deciding what's going to actually get a vote in most states. uh, They're deciding kind of what the priorities are for who's in power going forward. Whereas the Senate chambers tend to be a little bit more consensus driven. They're looking for deals, they're trying to get people to come together and find a position, a compromise position that everybody can kind of live with. But knowing that, even the chamber dynamics, can influence how you decide to start to have conversations as you're talking to both Republicans and Democrats in a state to to try to um, develop some of those relationships, but also share your opinion on a certain issue uh, going forward. And then I would just say, generally speaking, the average member of Congress or the average state legislator, they, they largely don't have a great handle on what they're voting on. They're looking to other people in the chamber who have supposedly done their homework on an issue to give them a thumbs up or thumbs down. So going in and meeting with a legislator, anticipating that they're going to to know a lot about issues, they just don't have the time, they don't have the bandwidth, they're trying to do a million different things. And so trying to figure out who some of those key people are, maybe it's a committee chairperson, maybe it's a longtime staffer who works on drug issues in a state legislature and people kind of defer to that individual. That'll be really, really important as you're trying to figure out for your local member who they're looking to for, for guidance going, uh, going forward. And then just to reiterate, it's about getting the right information to the right person at the right time. That's really the equation for success and trying to influence discussions that impact um, pharmacists is making sure that you understand, trying to understand where that right time is and what the right information to get them is. It's difficult, but those are what's really key to have an impact.
0: Oh, that's so helpful. And Josh, so um, just to reiterate the difference between the Senate and the House, the The Senate, of course, is a little bit more deliberative, consensus building. Um, House operates a little bit differently, but they are bringing up those bills. And And as you were talking about the right time, what is one of the best times to um, connect with uh, some of these uh, elected officials? Um, is it when they're out in their in their districts and they're on recess during August, um, or is it when they're they're up in DC and and we all need to go make trips to see them there?
1: Yeah, I would say when they're in their district is is a good opportunity to start a relationship, to approach the member and explain who you are and what issue you have a particular interest in. Uh, They'll likely, if they have a staff member that covers that, will want to introduce you to their staff member. And so I would suggest th- that's actually the the best time. So summer recesses, which we're kind of in at the moment for this, uh, the U.S., the D.C. folks. Um, And also for some of the state people um, who some of them are in for long periods of time, year round, and some of them are only in for a couple months, a year. But finding those out of session times when they're not running around with their heads cut off, because those are very um, busy time periods, to start setting the foundation. That's that's when that matters, because you can actually get their attention. That's when staff can take a deep breath and actually have a conversation with you to understand who you are and what the issue is. Um, And I, I should just emphasize, there's a couple of tips I have uh, dealing with uh, just legislators and their staff going forward. I think the first one is to not lecture at them. Um, you want to be able to share your information with them, but let them process it um, and make sure that they have time and follow up. Um, I, what I was The point I was trying to make before is where the rubber really hits the road and the final decisions are being made are very last minute. I think people tend to think that Bills are going through the process, and they're getting tweaked, and they're being improved, and sometimes that's true, but more often than not, you've had a conversation six months previously with a member of a staff, you've explained the issue, you've explained your perspective, and then you circle back with them when you know things are coming to a head when a bill is moving, and you start to say, hey, on that issue we talked about, has that been addressed in the bill or not? And if it's no, then that's maybe the perfect time to send them a follow-up information to say, hey, he- here's here's some really important context that your boss, or if you're dealing directly with the member, needs to be aware of. And those final tweaks can happen as as they're coming really close to the finish line. Most of the final decisions are being made in, you know, as they're approaching the finish line, not throughout the process, uh, if you're thinking about it that way. And you're kind okay. of picking up on another one, which is not ignoring staff. Um, staff play a really important role in this mm-hmm. entire process.
0: Okay, helpful. So um, starting that relationship, uh, making sure to, to follow up, um, not ignoring staff, that's, that's certainly important. Are there any maybe tips to avoid when dealing with legislators?
1: Yeah, I, I think one thing that I've seen, and I have you know, have been a former staffer for elected officials and been around the legislative process for a long time, is that uh, people don't know when to stop talking. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think it taps into this not lecturing. People are very passionate about issues, mm-hmm. and I, I appreciate that for sure. But th- there are moments where you can tell you've lost the staff member. It's either too complex, it's too much jargon, or they disagree with you, or they've lost interest. And so I think it's really key, and this is a relational thing, period, but it certainly um, matters in uh, politics and in policymaking because relationships are the currency there, is being able to read people well. So share just enough information and make sure that you can follow up with them with additional context if needed. But don't just keep plowing ahead. I've seen people say, oh, you disagree with me? I'm just going to talk at you for another 20 minutes. That's Mm -hmm. not productive. So I think that's one kind of to avoid. The other thing I think that people, especially folks who are passionate or feel like they're experts on an issue, is they tend to bury the other person with information. Mm -hmm. Sending them five research papers of 50 pages each, a staff member is not going to read that. A member is not going to read that. So one of the really important tips is to do do some of the work for the person. So pull out the relevant information, highlight it for them, send them bullet points. I mean, mm-hmm. a staff member's job for most of the elected officials is to write bill language. It's to write them talking points on an issue. So do that for them, send them a version of that. They may alter them, but being able to do part of the work for them will make you um, a much more trusted source and be really helpful. In building that relationship going
0: forward. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 Drug Disposal of Controlled Substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have Rx Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer Ready to Use Chemical Drug Disposal Systems are safe, easy, and affordable products which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medic- Waste Compliance, check out www.RxDestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Those are all really helpful nuggets. And so, Josh, as we're crafting our message, are there any good, um, is there some good guidance that you could share about how to be really effective in our messaging and how we're educating elected officials?
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things, a couple of thoughts on this. The first and foremost is if you're able to explain this, the policy or the situation that you're advocating for in terms of a real life example, how would this impact a pharmacist and what they do day to day? How would this impact somebody who's coming in to get drugs? I think that makes it uh, a little bit easier for them to wrap their brains around. And because you want them to leave the meeting and go talk to leadership potentially and say to them, hey, this is what this actually means. You know, John walks into the Pharmacy, and they've run into this issue. We want to address that issue, so giving them a real-life example is helpful. I think a few other things that I we've learned from our work in the past, and this is not always possible, but if you're able to have polling or focus grouping on certain issues, um, our guts on how to explain issues is often wrong, and so being able to understand where the public is on what they care about and then forming your policy change or your reform in terms of what the, how the public thinks it is really a, a much better way to be aware of how to message. Cause that's again, how the member is gonna go out to the community and explain the issue. So you want them to, to help give them the right framing for them going forward. A um, Couple other things just drawn from the research on messaging, uh, the fear of loss is much more powerful than what people will gain. And so you'll often see this play out in political campaigns, Mm. but it also is relevant in uh, policy discussions. So trying to make sure that you're mindful of that, that politicians often use that sort of language and how you talk about the policy reform that you're advocating uh, going forward. And then I just, one final thing, just overarching, a member is going to listen to you a little bit more closely if you're from their district. Mm. Um, And so if you're from an out-of-state uh, or you're not in their district and they, they'll still listen, many of them are very respectful and want to understand, but if you can find a messenger from their district who can say, hey, I live in whatever town in District 5, uh, that's going to go a lot farther in being an effective messenger to that member. And so just being aware of that as you're trying to organize people to, to actually talk to their members.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, lots of great, uh, tips and, um, yeah. So sharing stories, the importance of, of storytelling, we all know, but, um, I think, you know, if, if pharmacists have specific examples of how, for instance, um, DIR fees is really important right now. So how that's impacting their uh, independent pharmacy, they need to share those stories. Um, also, if they're from the specific member's district, fear of loss and then um, polling. So sharing where the public lands, because that's probably what the member wants to, to vote towards is, is what um, their constituents care about. Um, so having that kind of research is great too. These are all really great tips. Um, so Josh, uh, is kind of, you know, some, some final advice that you would share, um, with, uh, our audience about why and how maybe to stay up to date on policy
1: yeah, well, the the why is certainly because uh, your profession is impacted by it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's certainly a, a, a big reason why a lot of people involved in healthcare need to, out of necessity these days, be much more aware of what's going on, both in their state legislature, but also at the federal level, trying to understand the certain proposals. I, I think um, unfortunately, there aren't many pharmacists who are staff or elected members. There's only and one, so he, Betty
0: Carter yeah. from Georgia.
1: Exactly. So, um, And I'm sure he does his best to t- explain his perspective, but uh, you really do need to um, talk to your local folks or to your your DC representatives so that they can hear your perspective because As a former staff member, I mean, you have a million things coming at you. You have meetings after meetings after meetings from different perspectives. And so you're trying to make sense of who's telling you the truth, what is the best reform? And if you haven't done that job yourself or you don't know somebody in the field, it's hard for you to get a quick, up-to-date understanding of what what's going on. And so sometimes it feels like you're guessing on what the policy is. So that's why it's really important to to become that trusted voice. So when they have a question, oh, this is a drug question, this is a pharmacy question, I'm gonna pick up the phone. I know this person in my district. Um, I, I can ask them. And you, you don't need to know all the answers. That's that's fine, but it gives you that opportunity to answer those questions and maybe correct a miss uh conception that the member or staff member holds. So that's why I think it's really important. How to stay up on top of it it is tricky. Um, It it really is. I mean, there are certainly uh, ways. I mean, the Kaiser Health News Service sends out a a morning email with um, headlines from around the country of kind of what's being debated and being discussed, both somewhat at the state and also at the federal level. Some states have uh, health news services. Um, Georgia has one, for instance. Massachusetts has one. It's a handful of California that have them. So you if you live in those states, trying to get on those email lists can be very, very helpful. And then I would just say, um, as we previously discussed, touching base with the members or their staff when it's slower, so usually in the summer, and just say, hey, what, what are you thinking about working on? What's um, – what – is the discussion in the state house around these issues, is there any, just so you're aware of it, and maybe you're able to put whatever you're passionate about into that or, or do a little bit more research and come back to them to give them some advice on what you would suggest going forward. But I think just being aware of what the members are hearing and what they're thinking about can be extremely helpful information going forward. And I just mentioned one other Thing here, talk to both parties. Mm. Um, I mean, at the state level, we're having an increasing polarization where much more, much bluer states and much redder states. However, the minority party can make your life, if you're pushing for reform, either much easier or much harder. Um, If something becomes bipartisan and people seem like they kind of can agree then at the state level, at least, the bill is more likely to move more quickly. If one minority member gets up and says, hey, I, I object to this, it becomes a fight. And so you do want to spend time making sure you understand where both Republicans and Democrats are on certain issues or on health care issues in general and drug issues, so that you're able to be that much more effective when you circle back to them at, in those key moments.
0: That is such great advice. I love that kind of ending with that is to make sure that you cover all your bases and, um, talk to both parties, uh, to try to build that consensus. Well, Josh, this has been so helpful and, um, I am just so glad to be able to share some of these tips with our listeners. Um, October is, uh, I'm, Uh, American Pharmacist Month. And so, uh, you know, definitely gearing up in the fall for that every year, which is exciting. But um, definitely some great takeaways for the listeners and how to better engage um, and get some of these key issues, um, hopefully worked on uh, that relate to pharmacy so thanks so much for sharing your perspective and, and great advice on um, how to how to stay up to date on policy and how to um, really get to know and build those relationships with legislators
1: well happy to share hope it wasn't too much of a fire hose experience because there's obviously lots of moving parts and complicated but uh, I do really uh, want to just encourage your listeners as As much as it sounds uh, after doing a full day's work uh, to then try to engage at the legislative level is maybe not always the first choice for people. Um, It is uh, really worthwhile long-term to make sure that the perspective of pharmacists is representative in the policymaking process. Absolutely. Thank you, Josh.
0: And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating and reviewing it.